Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is the Redbox Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing the best of my Times Radio show. Don't forget you can listen live and for free on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker, or download the Times Radio app, so there's no excuse for not listening all the time. But you're listening to the podcast, so that's good. Uh, coming up on today's episode is Wednesday, so it must be PMQ's Unpacked, a special edition, as Lucy Fisher uh, leaves us on Times Radio. She joined me and Tim Shipman to pause the action live from the House of Commons. Uh, so that's coming up in just a moment, but first is The Columnists. The Columnists with Ali Burt, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. And we say a very good morning to Alice Thompson. Morning, Alice. Good morning. And good morning to Robert. Good morning, Matt. Are you laughing at Alibert again? Yeah. It is the best name, you have to say. <laughs> well, I just catch Alice's eye and she laughs and I laugh and then we both laugh and then you have a little chuckle. We should be on a mixed chuckle. tape, shouldn't we, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, excellent, yeah. But we'll, talk about, we'll talk about those in a minute. Uh, first, let's talk protesters. 1,400, it's a very specific number yes. at this stage. Maybe they've maybe just booked a number of buses. 1,400 anti-monarchist <laughs> protesters are planning to chant Not My King at the coronation next month. Uh, compare and contrast that with Just Stop Oil saying they're going to send around 30,000 people to disrupt the London Marathon. And then mm. they obviously disrupted the snooker and then we have people, um, the National, uh, national Grand mm. National as well. Um, what's a good protest, a bad protest, Alice? Well, I think their protest is pretty hopeless because runners aren't actually using any uh, fuel. They're not, you know, they're they're deeply green, aren't you? If you're yeah, running, yeah. you're running 26 miles. That's quite a long way. Yeah. You're not using a car to do that. It's pretty good. So I think it's really weird what they choose. And I think snooker's another one when they're not, you know, it's not like you're at the Grand Prix. And yeah. you think, why are you doing it so randomly? Oh, it just it wasn't even It wasn't even Ronnie O'Sullivan playing, which is the only reason anyone watches a snooker. <laughs> Two blokes nobody had ever heard of. Who was it? Jimmy White and uh, no, Jimmy Dennis White. Taylor? No. It's been a while since It has been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think you make a distinction. I think the coronation protest is absolutely fine. I might even go and join them if I'm not having to work that weekend, which I probably will. Uh, it's a serious issue. They've got a legitimate point to make. 30% of the country uh, don't agree yeah. with an elected head of state. That's fine. Just Stop Oil is a woolly, absurd slogan. You're talking about unpicking global energy policy. That's a very serious matter. It's going to take years. People are trying to do it. Uh, and so, and chucking orange bags of orange dye around or disrupting sporting events is uh, not going to help, I don't think. National, I think they've, they've got a point. They don't approve of national hunt racing. Uh, it's obviously pretty bad. You know, the horse died on Saturday. They've got a point. Well within their rights to do that. Yeah. Uh, and there's been comparison to suffragettes, haven't there? Yeah. I mean, uh, people forget that the suffragettes were much more militant than this. The yeah, suffragettes yeah, yeah. burnt things down. They, they bombed and things. Were, <laughs> people and, died. And were highly they, criticised and not yeah, popular. They weren't just chaining themselves to railings. Uh, so I hope that they're not going to go yeah. down the route as the suffragettes because pe- they, pe- you know, people, that were, it was very serious. And, and then academics still argue about the suffragette tactics. As to whether or not they worked. And whether, yeah, you yeah. Know, whether it worked or whether the patient lobbying worked. And I guess it was possibly a combination of the two. I mean, I suppose if you're, if you think that an issue isn't being discussed enough, mm-hmm. Alice, then every time one of these protests happen, we do end up then having a discussion about, well, just a balls, but you know, so they do work to some extent. But I suppose well, they were on the front page, so that was the interesting yeah. thing about the snookers. It was on every front page because it Cause did look really very spectacular. good pictures. Yeah, so mm. they are just looking for that. They're looking for Instagram. They're looking for the front pages, and to that extent, they do get it. And I think with the suffragettes, you do then feel maybe there is a point to it, but. What I feel is that no one really knows what they're doing or why they're doing it. Well, they don't really I'm, get it. And they yeah. just look like they're having fun, which is like the yeah. worst part of it in a way. And, whereas the coronation, I do, as Robert said, I think that's, that's legit. And actually, I think it's quite nice. I think if I were the king, I'd embrace that yeah. because it shows that the whole country can be there. It shows that actually yeah, yeah. we're very liberal and relaxed. I said if he was care. really being diverse about it, he'd have invited someone like me to, his, mm. to the coronation because you want to include, be inclusive. Well, you've got to, what about including would you the go? people? Yeah, no, the Republicans. Uh, yeah, probably would, actually. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to write something. Then I'd have to write, then I'd have to do it under the word. Yeah, but I wouldn't single out just stop oil because I think the others are, they've got you know you know what they want the suffragettes you know what they wanted uh, the Republicans 
the people who don't like national hunt racing, mm. fine. But uh, just stop oil. That's, <laughs> I mean, at the risk of sounding uh, of trivial and obvious, it, that it's a really complicated issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? and you and the. People are trying to work out how to precisely do that and phase it out over the course of the century. Extinction Rebellion yeah. sort of try to distance... Extinction Rebellion yeah. haven't been the slightly nutty ones and now try to distance yeah. themselves from... Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'd go for things like cruise liners that really made a difference to the whole argument. So, so there are you know, there are so many sports and so many different issues where they're using too much oil. You'd think, why are you Well, not? actually, it was like... Um, yeah. When, when was it the Extinction Rebellion who glued himself to a tube train? Yeah. And it was, oh, this is ridiculous. He's running on electricity. It's public transport. We've got to get to work. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the Grand Prix should be, uh, I guess it will be, maybe, when, yeah. when it comes to Silverstone. But... Well, let's, well, let's not start inciting anything. No. Uh, we should probably move on from that. Uh, let's mm. talk about the 106-year-old? Yeah, she's rather amazing. There's this 106-year-old woman on the front of Vogue who comes from the Philippines. And she has this phenomenal face. And she is wearing uh, not very much, but just she's got this incredible jewellery and bright red lipstick. And I think she's uh, by far the oldest person they've ever had on Vogue. But it is this sense that we love, um, you know, sort of embracing the elderly now. And we think it's fabulous and fantastic. But at the same time, you do have to have, you know, sort of Botox. And I mean, she doesn't. Mm. She's a specific example. has very good genes. But all the others, this sense that we all have to look younger and younger and younger the whole time. You know, and look more like models and act more like models. We've even got one today about how you have to wear miniskirts in your sixties, and that sense that we're all doing more and more <laughs> That's to look young. Something to look forward to for yes, I know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah you should have done a, that one. I look forward to that magazine feature. Can't, can't pack away but, the miniskirt just yeah. yet. <laughs> but the depressing thing is that actually the birth, you know, the birth rate is stalled as has, um, mm. you know, the, you know, people people are now life dying. Expectancy. Life expectancy with people are now dying slightly younger, which is really depressing in a lot of areas, and that there's a huge difference between the richest postcodes mm. and the poorest postcodes, and we, we're just not looking at that. We're not worrying that Britain's now the worst in Europe. Yeah. I mean, that's what bothers me. It doesn't. I'm not wildly concerned that the, that, the, that the overall life expectancy, the average life expectancy, mm. has, has slipped a bit from 82 to 81, and it should be 83 if mm. it had been gone up, as it had been doing. But what really bothers me is that life expect, male life expectancy in one part of Glasgow is 58 and as you said in your piece, you can go from Kensington to New Cross, mm. which is six miles across London, and it goes for a man from 92 down to 74, mm. which, is an, which is a scandal. I mean, yeah. so... The you're average, basically paying yeah. for life. That's what's so depressing, is that yeah. actually if you're rich, not only do you have yeah. a better quality of life often, but yeah. you actually get a longer life, and that yeah. just seems really deeply unfair. Uh -huh. So the average doesn't... I don't, the average is not really... Reading your column, there was a, there was that, that the, the sort of quango in it that um I, I sort of I, that no one's ever heard of yeah. the Office for Health Improvement mm. and Disparities. Mm. Who said that? It was Boris Johnson? That was set I've up. Heard of it yeah. before. <laughs> it was set up at the end of the pandemic, and it was meant to help this kind of disparity. I mean, that's but no one's heard of it. Leveling up in mm. in health, presumably. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there are some parts of the country where they do know it exists, and other parts that don't. But I'm just in the. People say, yeah, I hadn't heard of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a funeral director who's amazing in um, Middlesbrough who talks about the fact that just one side of Middlesbrough, they're all dying younger than the other side. And he can mm. see that as a funeral director. He gets wow, younger yeah, people yeah. in. And that is yeah. really depressing. It's in one town. Well, we'll see. I mean, but I suppose levelling up is part of Michael Gove's job, isn't it? So he can, um, he can get on with that while. <laughs> this is terrific, this story, The Telegraph. Uh, Michael Gove has had a special smoking hut built on the roof of his ministry. <laughs> After being heckled by members of the public in the street, <laughs> so it's in Michael Go. So he, it's all based in what it used to just be the Home Office. Now been, there's loads of departments in there, Marsham Street, and he used to have to go outside the Home Office, the Home Office levelling up, and the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. He used to have to go outside, but then people used to shout at him, uh, "Do your job and arrest Michael Go." <laughs> So, I thought they were, when I first read this, I thought they were shouting at him because he was smoking, but they're actually shouting at him just because yeah. he's Michael Gove. Not my Gove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they exactly. should be doing. Uh, so they've now had a bus shelter structure built on the roof. Marvelous. Um, uh, and they've just said it's a long-standing policy not to comment on the protective security arrangements for the Secretary of State or ministers. But you're a smoker, Robert. I smoke, and so, like, along with Michael Gove, we're doing our bit to bring down those disparities yes, in, exactly. in, <laughs> between the wealthy, wealthier people and, smaller, and poorer people. So uh, we're trying to re help to reduce the life expectancy of the well-off. Uh, it's Michael's living the dream there with his own bus shelter on the roof. That's fantastic. When this place where we're... <laughs> The news building opened. They had they put a terrace on the 14th Lovely floor. Terrace. I thought brilliant, and then no, they made it no smoking. Yeah. So I have to go down 11 floors, which I suppose does 
and go outside into the wind tunnel around the shard. Uh, I suppose it does help reduce my smoking, so that's probably a good thing. Keeps you moving. Keeps me moving, keeps my steps up. How many, time, how many times do you go out and smoke every day? Uh, if I'm busy, probably only three or four times. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a good 20 minutes though, isn't it? It is. With but the it is the social life work. as well, that's the thing. So that's the thing about Go that it's a bit depressing, that if you go up on your little hut on the top, his, no one's yeah. going to be there with you, Just are they? Just sitting in his glass box. Yeah. 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 And those when we used to have uh, smoking carriages on trains, or worse, those glass boxes you had at airports, they're really pretty foul. So I hope it's not like that for Michael's sake, because he'll be having the first-hand smoke and the second-hand smoke just of his last cigarette. Not just like buy him an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, but then, yeah, but all of it's windy and it kind of yeah, turns yeah, inside out. Be very undignified. He's a, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure being undignified. I think Michael Gove might have passed that. Yeah, after that nightclub in Aberdeen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He could have his own nightclub. That would be quite have good. Have you ever smoked? I smoked quite a lot, yeah, until I was... In fact, I smoked at the Times when I first arrived here. And I was yeah. so unfit, I was chosen. There was a new thing called a personal trainer, and I was chosen as a person to go <laughs> really? and have a personal trainer. That's when you so, took up running? Yeah, then I took up running, and I never like, stopped. They gave you an ashtray when you came to work yeah. here. When I first came to work here in 1991, oh. they gave you... They gave you a mug and an ashtray. <laughs> as a sort of... Hello, name well, on it? Welcome to the Times. No. no, it had the Times name on it. It was branded. Wow. God, I wish I had still cat. I wish I kept that. Yeah. Yeah. Mug and an ashtray. You don't get anything now, do you, when you start? Just a lot of no, just online a, Just a lot of onboard, mm. yeah. was it onboarding. Onboarding. Yeah. Right, let's turn our attention now to cassettes. They are making a comeback, apparently. Uh, Matt Charlton, music journalist, is here. Matt, this can't be true. I, I'm struggling to understand it too, to be honest. I don't get it at all. But they have <laughs> seen a consecutive um, increase in sales in 2022 to hit their highest level since 2003. And the only thing I can think of is it's got some sort of kitsch retro value because it certainly doesn't sound good. I mean, the people buying these, are they, are they basically just toss pots? Is that, is that, the, is that the issue, Matt? That's the only explanation. Yeah, that is the technical, term. Self, that is the technical term we use in the industry. Um, yeah, it, it's um, people, I mean, the demographic of um, urban outfitters, shall we say. <laughs> There's a certain hipster kitsch value to it. And I reckon that generally they just go and sit on a shelf and are ready. I, I doubt they've even got a boombox. Yes, a boombox to um, play it on either. Or a I ghetto blaster. A ghetto blaster, indeed. From the ghetto that we all grew up in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I doubt they've even got one of them to play it. I think it is just a weird little kitsch value, but they are skyrocketing. And I've been trying to understand this for the last couple of years because I. I saw it happening, and the only thing I can think is a kitsch thing because they're now, not a there, good though, format anyway. Is there that? Well, the one is a mixtape. The well, no, the one value of a cassette. Well, I think we've talked about this before, Matt, about the idea of picking, you know, listening to an album from beginning to end. Mm. Actually, it's the only format which forces you to do that. <laughs> But even apart on, from vinyl. But even on vinyl, you could still pick and choose tracks. Yeah, if you've got an eye for the grooves, yeah, yeah. As, as you do, Matt. <laughs> we, we all know that. <laughs> eye for um, the grooves. You well, that's going on my Twitter bio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I think it is, I mean, vinyl is so expensive, so maybe it's the people that want a bit of retro value but yeah. can't you know, afford to buy a vinyl every time. Because I think, I don't know how much they are, about £10 maybe for a cassette? Mm. I mean, it just sounds mental to me. So, Matt, we've been asking for people for their first uh, cassettes. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ray, for effect. The, Ray yeah. in Loughborough says, my first cassette was the collective broadcast of Idiomine, released in 19... <laughs> this is such a Times Radio uh, It's a uh, bop. Listener. It's a real bop. Released Great in 1975, chorus. written by Alan Cohen, yeah. none other, and performed by John Bird as Idiot. Hilarious. Now available for CD for about 20 quid. Um, wow. uh, lots of people talking about the benefits of mixtapes. Now, uh, Matt, we asked you, this This is Matt's mm. first cassette. Let's take a listen. You bring the body and I'll bring the What was enjoying that? Yeah. Do you know who this is? No, I don't. Alex? No. This is E17's oh. 1994 album. It's the title yeah. track, Steam. Michael Gove would have known that. He'd have danced to it as well. <laughs> yeah, he would. It was the lead single. It was the same album as um, Stay Another Day. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh. The big my, one. my first one, my first album uh, on cassette, I think it was a birthday present. I don't think I bought it with a voucher at Smith's, was Up by Right Said Fred. Oh, yeah. 
containing uh, I'm Too Sexy and God, deep, Deeply Dippy. Yeah. Don't talk it's just, always, yeah. don't it's talk always just Kiss. It's always Smith or Woolworths. Yeah. Great Smith or Woolworths are where we got the cassettes from. Uh, right, this is uh, Alice's first cassette. Oh, this is much better. Much. You've made that up. Actually, it wasn't mine, it was my elder brother's, but it yeah. was the first one I listened to. I'm way too young to have had that as my first cassette. I had it on vinyl. <laughs> original shellac. I still have it. I still have it. It's a great album. It's a great album. And then Robert's. This is Robert's first cassette. He's, he's just suddenly got a bit, bit misted. I went a bit, bit misty. misty. I was back eye. in 1974 then, <laughs> watching Eurovision, and then I went out and bought that. I think it was ABBA's first greatest hits album, and they hadn't really had many. So it got some really early stuff. So I liked ABBA when they were cool. <laughs> early ABBA. Have you been to the... Um, yes. The I went thing. on the second night. Is it so, good? Yes, it's fantastic. I'm going... Not this weekend, next weekend. I went when Abba with the horoscopes. Abba, the actual Abba came not on. Not horoscopes, what are they? Holograms. Yes. They came on <laughs> at the end, not the horoscopes, but the actual members of Abba yeah. came. Uh, that's how early I went to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've seen Mamma Mia about you even like the ho- well. You even like the holograms early stuff? Uh, yeah, the holograms, yeah, very cool. Early stuff from the holograms. Yeah, it's great. Matt, we were talking uh, about this earlier on, the, the return of cassettes. Do you, does this mean that in about 10 years people are going to be buying CDs and then in another 10 <laughs> years... Everyone's going to be walking around with massive iPods. I think the CD is actually due a comeback because it is a very durable and much cheaper um, alternative to vinyl. It's probably about five years away. People are going to get a bit of a vintage value with CDs. Um, iPods, you know, the yeah. first edition iPods and second generation iPods, they are worth a lot of money on eBay at the moment because people just don't, sometimes don't want a phone around their music. They just yeah. want to be tuned into the music and no phone calls interrupting it. What about it? Um, and it's got a lot, yeah, they're getting a lot of money on eBay. Would well, you remember eight track cartridges? I, I never, never had one of those. They're a little bit before my well, time. I, ne- I never knew what they were. Mini discs. I had one yeah. friend. I had, had a mini disc. A yeah. mini disc. Uh, but you had to buy the CD and then copy it yourself onto <laughs> the mini disc. Yeah. And then just you can get five mini discs now for sixty pounds on Amazon. Right. How much five are I- blank mini discs? How much are iPods worth? Just as, just as yeah. a matter of interest. I've <laughs> so got one hanging around. The first yeah. generation one, the, the just the purely white one with the wheel on it, I think is worth about maybe five six hundred pounds. <gasps> wow. wow! Get up in the loft. So check that. your bottom drawers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did have a big. It was a black one, one, but it was the normal with the screen and the one. wheel. Yeah, with a cl- clicky wheel. Quite yeah. nice. Made a nice clicky sound. Yeah, yeah they're worth yeah. something too. Alice Thompson and Robert Grant are there, and of course you can read the stories we were discussing. Just hit the links in the podcast description. You'll need to subscribe to the Times, though. Just go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is PMQ's Unpacked. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire.
Yes, it's PMQ's Unpacked. Uh, this week, we've got Tim Shippers here. Hello, Tim. Hello. And joining us on her last day at Times Radio Tower, so we're making you do some work, Lucy Fisher. Wiping away a tear. Hello, Hi. Matt. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Can I congratulate you on the cakes? They are quite good, aren't they? Have if I'm allowed to pat myself on the back. You had, did you make them? Uh, I did not, which is why they're good. <laughs> yeah. Have you had a cake yet, Tim? Not yet, but... She's I'm, bought in cakes. Yeah. Are they all gone? They're all gone, but I've got an extra box for the afternoon uh, team like I work I'm, with. Um, it feels like we'll have to have a chat about that. Well, we are now in the afternoon, so I think we could probably raid those. Uh, what do we expect to come up today, Lucy, do you think? Well, I think it's pretty inevitable uh, that uh, the ethics probe into Rishi Sunak uh, is going to be something Keir Starmer will want to bring up. Possibly as well, the chatter about the report into Dominic Raab finally landing on the Prime Minister's desk, either later this week or uh, at the latest, we think, next week, might be something else that uh, the Labour leader goes on. It's been a while since we... It was about a month ago we were last here, Tim, yes. with Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer in the Commons. Yes, exactly. It's been a while and um be interesting to see. I mean, we're of course, we're, we're supposedly in the midst of a local election. I mean, not that you <laughs> really know it because most people aren't paying much attention to that. But Starmer's all over the front pages going on about the NHS. Uh, so it's possible he'll do a bit of that. Cost of living as well. Of course, the NHS famously run by local councils. Well, indeed. Um, but I too wonder whether he might uh, toss in a bit of Raab speculation that began in the Sunday Times, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, the question I'd like to know... And I wonder whether he'll ask it, is whether if Raab is found to have breached yeah. the rule, will he fire him or will he let him resign? Because he sacked Nadim Zahawi. Yeah. Pretty sharpish, but Raab has been a Ga close ally for a long time and, you know... Was Gavin Williamson sacked or was he allowed to resign? Can't remember. That's a good question. Not that it makes mm. any difference because the material outcome is still Sometimes the same. it can be a bit of both, can't it? It's, it's, he's allowed to resign, but allies of the Prime Minister make it known yes. that he was dear, ordered to, dear to Prime go Minister, or, Thank you, know, you for walk. inviting me to resign. Yeah. But there are different tones of letter and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think probably it pays the PM to be look uh, pretty tough on this one. Um, and clearly the conversations I've had are that that's what they're expecting to happen. And do you think, uh, how bad do you think the local elections might be for Rishi Sunak? I mean, the polls are narrowing a bit. Could we get there and it's not quite as bad as the sort of apocalyptic thousand seats lost? Well, I've never thought it was going to be that bad because um, both parties performed fairly badly last time. They both got 28%. Starmer's obviously going to do a lot better than that. And you would imagine that Sunak potentially might um, do better than the idea of Theresa May. So, uh, you know, CCHQ were absolutely delighted when uh, somebody independent suggested they might lose a thousand seats i think they yeah, think yeah. they'll lose multiple hundreds but um, anything that's sort of half that starts to Lower look like a, a thousand, triumph yeah, yeah. Um, i found gavin williamson's letter uh, I've therefore decided to step back from government. Oh, well, that's not even resigning. <laughs> it's not it? even resigning. It's, <laughs> it's just, you know, naturally uh, He said there have been other family. allegations about my past conduct. I refute the characterisation of these claims, so he said they weren't true, but I recognise they're becoming a distraction. I've therefore decided to step back from government. So, yeah, that's even... That sort of leaves it open to him stepping back in again <laughs> at some point, doesn't it? <laughs> stepping back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, here we go then. We are live on Times Radio, live on the Times Radio YouTube channel. Here we go with PMQ's Unpacked. Question number one from Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Tory party chair says that public services are in pretty good shape. <laughs> Has the Prime hands, Minister met a single member of the public who agrees with him? Yeah. Prime Minister. Mr. Mr. Speaker, Mr Speaker, because of the record investment that we're putting into public services like the NHS, we're now getting waiting lists down. Because of the reforms that we've made to our education system, more children are studying in good and outstanding schools. Because that's what you get with a Conservative government, more funding, more reform and better outcomes for Britain. Yeah. Oh, that was quite short and sweet. Uh, Lucy, here's an interesting question. Is Greg Hans any good at being the Tory party chair? Because he seems to... He's quite low profile, the isn't he? Low profile, but then they let, let him out on the telly at the weekend and you wouldn't claim that all of it was a roaring success. They say that social, uh, public services were in pretty good shape. He had some weird writing on his hands, like he was Noel Edmonds presenting Deal or No Deal. <laughs> he was wearing a green tie as well, I thought. Uh, was he, you know, wondered if he was representing... Not since David you know, Cameron. Yeah. yeah. One of those. Yeah. Um, I also think it's a slightly strange choice that he's party chairman um, because it signals, you know, that they are really looking at trying to defend in the blue wall, the prosperous mm. sort of southern home county seats, the ring, uh, the donut around London. You know, he is the MP for Chelsea and Fulham. You can't get, you know, a smarter set of postcodes <laughs> in the country. And, you know, he's a former banker. He's worked 
worked on trading floors in London and New York. He's a Cambridge University graduate. He literally is sort of metropolitan liberal uh, elite. So interesting signalling that they've but made in chair. But Lucy, are you forgetting the deputy chair? Well, I'm yes. not. Mr. Lee, Lee Anderson of Ashfield. Once 30p Lee, now 100 grand Lee, um, uh, appearing on what's it, uh, GB News. Um uh, what do you make of Greg Hans as an operator, Tim? I think he's one of those old school types who's generally regarded as sort of sane and sensible and will keep central, you know, casting on track. I mean, frankly, the uh, the chairman of the Conservative Party, the person who's in charge of the strategy is Isaac Levito, who is the kind of uh, the hired help uh, the guy doing the polling, the guy working on the messaging uh, with his business partner, Michael Brooks. Those are the guys who are actually running the election campaign. And frankly, Greg Hans is there to um, keep keep the show on the road. But as you rightly observe, if you're just there to keep the show on the road, uh, not, uh, you know, doing something in your underwear on the broadcasts would be yeah. quite a helpful. Yeah. And he's still waving around the Liam Byrne note. That seems yeah. to be his thing. Seven times in nine days, he's yeah. brandished the umbrella. There's no money left. Feels quite tired. Thirteen years ago. Well, we'll see. Right. Well, that was a event. How many is right? There's still no money left. But, no. uh, but there have been thirteen <laughs> years of Conservative government in the meantime, which uh, even the average disconnected voter might have noticed. Right, might have right. noticed by but now, actually, yeah. Labour play the same game, harking back to the record of New Labour, which equally seems as yeah, 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 distant. Yeah. Well, that makes a change, though, doesn't it? Because for about five yeah. years, they didn't acknowledge New Labour even existed. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's very true. Right, here we go, then. Let's go back to question number... Uh, go back to the House Commons. It's question number two from Keir Starmer. He's living in another world to the rest of us. People waiting more than two days from an ambulance because they broke the NHS. Only one in a hundred rapists going to court because they broke the criminal justice system. A record number of small boats crossing the channel because they broke the asylum system. People can't afford their bills, can't get the police to investigate crimes, can't get a doctor's appointment. Does that really sound like pretty good shape to him? Well, Mr Speaker, what's the record? Since, since 2010, since, since, since 2010, crime down by 50% under the Conservative Government, Mr Speaker. 20,000 more police officers, we've given them more powers and we've toughened up sentencing, all opposed by Sosofti over there. Oh dear. Sosofti? <laughs> what the hell's that? That's well, it's a one new of one. their latest ones, isn't it? So, I've, I've read this somewhere. I've not actually yet been spun it myself. But, so uh, softy. It, it feels to me like one that's not going to endure. Whereas so, Starmer talking about everything being broken is probably something that might endure. They broke the NHS. They broke the criminal justice system. They broke the assault. That's that's that's. Well, getting... the first two it seems to me probably resonate with voters. I'm not sure he's going to get very far by suggesting the Tories broke the asylum system yeah. when they're the ones trying to basically bottle it up. Um, but one of the recurring themes, Lucy, of us doing PMQs probably over the last year, eighteen months, is is Labour struggling to get to the phrase which yeah. sums everything up you know there was enough is enough that uh angela rayner was using quite a lot you know is it broke you broke britain you know, it's, they're getting closer to yeah. something yeah i think that's absolutely right uh th and there has been this criticism starmer himself has had 12 uh, different slogans patrick mcguire um amusingly <laughs> rounded them all up in a recent column um you know when, when it comes to the Tories and the asylum system, they have stop the boats. One of these three-word yeah. phrases like get Brexit done, take back control, which is very effective. You know, Labour had a five-point plan. So I think that they are, as you say, getting closer. And it feels like broken Britain is going to be what the kind of the tough attack line um, that Labour lands on um, will be. Uh, the, the question is whether that really aligns with how people feel in their daily life yeah, yeah. accessing public services. Do they think they're underfunded, need reform? Or do people feel that things are fundamentally broken and they are therefore willing to have this leap of faith and, and, and change change the government. I'm still slightly reading from Sir Softy. Yeah. Versus Mr. Fix It. I think that's what number 10 are trying to push, you know, push uh, Sunak at. So Sunak, it's interesting they, they're both then positioning themselves as Mr. Fix It. Like, who is the most, you know... But this is the point, isn't it? They're, they're very similar people. They're yeah, both yeah. technocrats. They're both people who like looking at a problem and finding a solution. And and uh, however long and however detailed uh, they need to get into the weeds, they'll, they'll go and do it. Um, and that's why... You know, the Tories think they've got half a sniff because they can show that their guy's actually doing it if he does. Um, and Starmer's goal is to show that nothing yeah. they're doing is working. And yeah. it's interesting because if you think back, what, about a year ago? 
you and I were encouraging. We were saying they didn't have a slogan, yeah. and some of the listeners yeah, got in did. touch. Listeners are very good. And what did we what did we alight on? Something to do with Britain is Brit- broken. broken. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. here we are, months on, and that's where they've ended up. Yeah. Well done, listeners. Well done, listeners. <laughs> Put the Times Radio listeners in charge of the country. Uh, terrifying prospect. Right, let's go back then. This is uh, we go back to the House of Commons. This is question number three from Sir Softy. Either the Prime Minister doesn't use the same public services to the rest of us, or he simply can't see the damage they've done to our country. In 2019, Ariel Lee, a convicted people smuggler, threw boiling water over a prison officer, leaving him with first-degree burns. The prison officer said it felt like acid. His face was on fire. His attacker was found guilty, received a prison sentence, quite right in my view, does the Prime Minister agree? Well, Mr. Mr Speaker, while record is clear on sentencing, it was this party and this government that passed the Sentencing Act last year. It toughened up sentences, and the average custodial sentence has now increased since 2010 by almost two-thirds. For child sex abusers, it's up by 15 months, and for rapists, it's up by two years. And when our Sentencing Act ended ended the automatic early release of offenders who pose a danger to the public. It was the Labour Party who voted against it. He knows something's coming and he's not quite sure what it is. Yes. And he's getting all his sentencing lines out there. There's going to be a kicker yeah. in this uh, case study. Um, and the and Sunet doesn't quite know doesn't which, quite where know. it's coming from. It's interesting. That actually, it, it makes these exchanges quite good. That they're yeah. both... Sort of on it now. So, so Starmer is much better than he was, Lucy. Better. Um, I think not not as kind of political as sort of the heyday yeah, yeah. of sort of, you know, Cameron was a lot better, wasn't he? Um, I, I was struck. I think one of the, the ways in which Starmer's getting better and more political at these exchanges is where he said you know, either the Prime Minister doesn't use the public same uh, same public services as the rest of us. Mm. And of course he does, and he sends really his kids to, you know, that. the smartest yeah. sort of private school in the capital. And it was quite capital. subtle as well, wasn't it? Was it wasn't, subtle, he didn't yeah. put it on the nose, he just left it there so yeah. people could draw their own conclusion. We know that the Prime Minister doesn't use the same services, not in education and to health. a degree not in health either. Yeah. And actually, and actually, sort of by drip dripping it. So by the time we get to the next election, if they go hard on it, it won't seem like it's come out of nowhere. Yeah, that actually, you know, Britain is broken, and the Prime Minister doesn't even know because he's li- he's living. Was it a different country or a different planet? Different planet. But he's yeah. in previous PMQs. He's other, trialed other lines. You know, get out of Kensington, get out of Miami. Yeah. He's out of touch. Yeah. It is this picture he's painting of sort of globo um, global elite citizens. citizen yeah. of nowhere, citizen of nowhere. Uh, someone on the, on the YouTube channel just said, what was the point of that question? And somebody else said, seriously, give it to Angie for the rest of the season. <laughs> so, yeah, Starmer's not going down. Uh, well, I it, think we're about to find out what the point of it was um, with the follow-up. Very good. Uh, let's go back to the House of Commons. Question number four from Keir Starmer. Well, the, the problem is, Prime Minister, Ariali's sentence, Ariali's sentence ended up being suspended. Yeah. And anyone watching this would wonder why someone who violently attacks a key worker isn't behind bars. Well, the court judgment spelt it out. It's because it took 16 months for the attacker to be charged. That's ridiculous. And it took another two years before he was sentenced. Completely unacceptable. Can't the Prime Minister see that because they've lost control of the court service, because they've created the largest court backlog on record, he's letting violent criminals go free? There we go then. There we are. So that was the uh, that was the question. Uh, he's, um, that was the thing he was driving at. The reason that Rishi Sunak danced around it so much was because the guy who was attacked someone with boiling water ends up having his sentence uh, suspended. Let's uh, let's hear what Rishi Sunak's now got to say about that. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, here's the record. We're cracking down on grooming gangs, and he's. He's uncomfortable, Mr Speaker, he's uncomfortable addressing. We toughen the law on sex offenders so they spend longer in prison. He voted against it, Mr Speaker. And we've increased rape convictions by over 60%. Meanwhile, he, meanwhile, he, he, attended, he attended 21 sentencing council meetings that watered down punishments. 
that's why they call him Sir Softy. Yeah. Soft on crime, soft on criminals. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody calls him Sir Softy. They, they, they call him Sir that's Softy. That's why they, the, the people that were in my meeting this morning. Yeah, it's yeah. like when journalists say something was quickly dubbed something, which means that they quickly dubbed it themselves. <laughs> a Westminster wag, a West colleague next wag. to them. I've yeah. stopped using Westminster wag, but yeah, I just sort of... It's my, rubbish. It is rubbish. <laughs> my favourite Westminster wag, uh, very long time ago, man on Sunday, there was a, uh, somebody who worked in the canteen in Parliament was said to be going out with an MP, which was somebody said was a bit like the plot of Love Actually, where obviously the, the tea lady goes out with the Prime Minister. And she'd been dubbed by a Westminster wag, Martine McCutlery. <laughs> God, that is... I mean, I that quite is like terrible. That. I, no, that's all right. It's so bad, it's good, that one. <laughs> that's one of my favourite things. Anyway. Uh, Quickly dubbed by a Westminster wag. By a Westminster wag. So softy. Yeah. But Rishi Sunak just did what he could only do in that situation, which is completely ignore what... Ignore it and say, well, you're soft on all this other stuff. Yeah, here's some other things, loosely, the sort of criminal justice area. There we are. Right, let's, uh, let us know what you think. Who's winning this one? At, uh, post it on the uh, on the YouTube channel comments. Let's go back to the Commons question number five from Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, I've prosecuted thousands upon thousands of sex offenders. He's just shown he doesn't understand how the criminal justice system works. No wonder he can't fix it. And, and, and he thinks that cracking down on crime is suspending a sentence where someone should be in prison. Yeah. That shows the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And another reason, Mr Speaker, another reason cited by the court for suspending the sentence in Ariel Lee's case was a letter from the Justice Secretary in February about prison overcrowding. As a result of that letter, Courts have been told to have awareness of the impact of current prison population levels when passing sentences. In simple terms, the wrecking ball the Tories have taken to criminal justice means that thousands of people who should be in prison aren't. The court also said, he shakes his head, he should read the judgment. The court also said that it's for the government to say when prison conditions return to a more normal state. Now, I know the Justice Secretary has been busy trying to save his own job rather than actually doing it. Dominic Rahm. But has the Prime Minister asked him when he's going to get a grip on the prison system and withdraw that letter which is allowing criminals to walk free? Mr Speaker, we're in the process of building 20,000 more prison places. That's what this government is delivering, because we're toughening up sentencing and putting more people behind bars and making sure that our most serious offenders spend longer there. But I, I love it when he talks about his record as a lefty lawyer, Mr Speaker, because I was looking, I was looking at this, because when he was there, I read, he's quoting things, I read that people were really disappointed that his organisation let down victims. That, that wasn't even my assessment. That was his shadow attorney general. Oh, there we are. I'm interested um, there in, in, in this argument about Starmer's reputation as Director of Public mm. Prosecutions. I spoke to a senior Tory figure lately who sort of scoffed at me. Starmer's doing his best to try and make it a thing, but the public have never heard of DPP, yeah, the yeah. vast majority. They don't understand what it is. And I, I can understand why he's trying to play it up. He wants to also make clear that his knighthood is has been awarded as a result of yeah. merit because he held this big public appointment rather than being some kind of hereditary baronetcy. But again, that's another reason why he also talks about his father having been, you know, a toolmaker. He's yeah. come, you know, from the sort of lower middle classes and, 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 and done well. Um, whereas I think focus groups that the Tories are running show that people think he's a sort of, he's a posho and that he's a yeah. sir because he's he's been, uh, you know, very privileged. Which is why they stick sir in every single yeah. press release that they ever put out. And now Sir Softy. Yes. Well, well right. I mean, he's, he's, is it trending on Twitter he's, well, he's obviously been honoured for being so soft. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> that was a that was a real sort of treat of a question though from Starmer. I thought if we if we look past sentence, which was my Sen the highlight, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, going straight for Rab on on overcrowding. You know, um, so the point he's making is well, that Dominic Rab has written a letter in his position as Justice Secretary, telling judges to take into account when sentencing, basically the fact that the prisons are full. Yeah. So maybe... And you can well imagine a world in which the left would say, well, how dare you keep put putting people in these overcrowded prisons? Yeah, it's yeah. all terrible. But, um, 
Yeah. Uh, the second you say, don't jail people because there aren't any spaces. Just bear in mind, we haven't got much space when yes. you're sensing people, <laughs> is essentially the, the, the thing that Dominic Barb... Uh, Dominic Barb's sitting right behind, right next to uh, Rishi Sinat with... There's a lot uh, of yelling and nodding. Suella Barbman on the other side yes. laughing a lot. Both of them uh, very but, vocal. And then read the judgment. That was the other bit, yeah, yeah. you know. What do you mean, man? You've not been in the detail and read the judgment yeah, yeah, yeah. like I have. You know, there's a real kind of nerd off. Is that, that bit at the end about the Shadow Attorney General, is that... Is that referring to... Is, is that Emily Thornberry, is he saying, that said something disparaging? Well, this would appear to be some uh, clever research by the Tory party where one of his frontbenchers has been disparaging about the job that he did that we've already said that nobody knew he did. Yeah. Um, and then he didn't say who it was, when it was... Uh, and a bit of research appears <laughs> but apart to have gone <laughs> slightly to waste. Some, yeah, some poor um, like monkey in the in the Tory HQ spent weeks finding that. Finally yeah. found it, and Sunak's fluffed it. Well, I mean, you know, given the the, the thin ice he's on, we'd we'll probably hear it again next week. Yeah, you might be right. We'll have another, another go at it. Uh, well, let's go back then. Let's uh, let's round this one off. This is uh, question number six from Keir Starmer. Well, Mr Speaker, uh, when I was in office as Director of Public Prosecutions. Those benches, my greatest supporters. In 2013, the Home Affairs Select Committee said, uh, we would like to commend the work of the Director of Public Prosecutions, Keir Starmer. He's striven to improve the treatment of sexual assault. They go on to say... Lindsay Hoyle's up. Can we... Prime Minister's questions matter to our constituents. Do they? I want to to get through it because I'm trying to help the Prime Minister and the Leader. You're not being helpful. We'll hear this question no matter how long it takes. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, this is 2030. Order. Ms Stevenson, I've heard... Andrew Stevenson. I've heard a few weeks. This is the last week. I suggest you quiet, or it's better you leave. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, this is the Home Affairs Select Committee in 2013. They go on to say the work I did should provide a model to other agencies, and when he leaves the CPS, he will be missed. Now, that report was presented to Parliament by the then Home Secretary, future Prime Minister, the right honourable member for Maidenhead. Theresa May. And the government, those pinches, noted and supported it. Now, it's obviously always a good look to have your work recognised, although they did lay it on a bit thick. So perhaps, perhaps the Prime Minister spent less time trying to rewrite history and more time sorting out the mess he's made of criminal justice. Because the crisis in criminal justice is just a snapshot of public services collapsing under his watch. People can see it wherever they look. Our roads, our trains, the NHS, the asylum system, policing, mental health provision. The Tories have broken them all, and all they've got left is excuses and blame. Now, I know the Prime Minister would rather talk about a maths lesson than the state of the country, but perhaps he could solve this equation. Why, after 13 years of a Tory government, are patients waiting longer than ever, criminals walking free, growth non-existent, and why, everywhere you look, does nothing seem to work at all? Prime Minister. Mr Mr. Speaker, I can't can't quite remember, but I think he started by talking about when he was DPP in 2013. I'm actually, I'm, a, I'm actually glad he brought that up because there was something else that happened when he was DPP in 2013. And, and that, was, that was when he got his own special law, Mr Speaker. I've got it right here. It's the, the, pension, the, pensions, the pensions increase. It's the, the pensions increase for Keir Starmer. So, Lindsay Hall's up again. Just a moment. Can I just say, I order, I expect both sides to listen to the questions and the answers. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, it, here it is. It's the, the pensions increase pension screen for Keir Starmer, QC, 2013. Now, 
Well, we're, well, we're introducing a transformative policy to support doctors, doctors to cut the waiting list faster. He wants to raise taxes on public sector workers. And it's literally, it's one law for him and tax rises for everyone else. Wow. There was quite a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, where should we... Let's go all the way back. Now, it's quite a good bit of research. I think you could have possibly used it in question five rather than question six. Keir Starmer digging out a Home I Affairs... I see your research and I raise it. Yeah. <laughs> digging out a Home Affairs Select Committee report praising his work yes. as Director of Public Prosecutions. Yes, which he did with... Um, well, they did lay it on a bit thick in a kind yeah. of... Oh, not me, not surely. Me, Humble brag. <laughs> Uh, saying that he will be missed. And then, Lucy, we got into, again, that trying to tie this idea of everything's broken, roads, the trains, the NHS, the asylum system, policing, mental health, they've broken them all. Yeah. I think we've skipped around on a lot of subjects, or well, we, you know, yeah. Starmer and Sunak have, um, this PMQs, but the, the cut-through does seem to be using criminal justice as a vignette for wider problems in yeah. public services. One thing I'm interested in, and, you know, Tim, you point out rightly that, you know, Sunak and Starmer are fairly similar. They are the grey bureaucrats who sort of want to come up with technocratic solutions to issues. One area in which they're also sort of trying to, they're very similar on, is crime, this tough on crime. And and, and in a way, I'm, I'm detecting a lot of sort of concern in labour circles that Starmer isn't doing enough on the sort of tough on the causes of crime, tackling inequality in the policy platform he's putting forward. So clearly he thinks it's a good strategy to try and win over swing voters ahead of the next election. But there is the um, risk of part of the left-wing kind of cohort um, that would ordinarily support Labour potentially flaking off or being kind of liable to abstain if he doesn't sort of do enough to really show um, how he will stop you know, people. You know, you can't just say we'll throw them all in jail because, as has been pointed yeah. out, the jails are full. Yeah. The other thing about both of them trying to be tough on crime, it doesn't seem very authentic with either of them in a way that... Uh, hang him and flog him, sort of hang sort of Suella sort of of Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think that's what's interesting about this as an issue, in a sense. It's, it's a win-win for both of them, really. Um, uh, the communities that are the victims of crime are... are disproportionately the ones that they're trying to attract yeah. um, in the Tory case trying to hang on to those red wall seats that they won in 2019 and Labour trying to get some of them back um, and you know I think there isn't a great deal of constituency anywhere in British politics at the moment for that kind of bleeding heart approach yeah, yeah, to yeah. Um, uh, you know rehabilitation it's, and all the rest of it but Lucy's right the one place it does exist is on the sort of centre left of the Labour Party um, and Starmer runs a little bit of a risk um, uh, in terms of his, his internal management I suspect on that but I think in terms of outward looking for voters he's probably got it about right um, uh, they are trying you know I mean he then had to go at S uh, Sunak about you know solve this equation you maths geek <laughs> you know it's like we're both geeks but you're a bigger geek than I am. And this because of his re-announcement this week of maths. Exactly. Well, I was there and I, I felt there was a sort of, quite a lot of kind of consternation that we'd all been dragged, albeit to lovely Highbury Fields in, in Islington uh, on, a, on a sunny morning, but no new detail. Uh, and, and afterwards, as, as the sort of journalists ha haggled around to sort of discuss any news lines, the only verdict was really that he seems to be dyeing his hair um, soon now. So. <laughs> Which I think he is. It's still a little grey on the temples, but it's looking a lot darker on top. on top. Speaking of geeks, I've now been informed via message yeah. that Greg Hans, who yeah. we were mildly disparaging yeah. earlier, can speak three languages. Now, I know he's fluent in German. Uh, the kicker to this is that the message says, sad that his English isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it good with colleagues like that? Uh, who, um, what, what else do you possibly want? The other thing they could both probably do with stopping is the <laughs> thing. They're, they're both doing the sort of half... Some people have commented on the, on the YouTube thing. The sort of half laugh when they're getting yeah, to Yeah, I don't joke. think Sunak's aided by having Braverman next to him. Um, yeah. She's wearing... Appears to be wearing uh, some stolen crown jewels around her neck. <laughs> uh, but she's also finding everything sort of... Are deeply amusing, which is probably rubbing off on maybe the she, Maybe she's wearing all the stuff that they're not going to use at the coronation because it's because woke, woke people at the top they can't use it. So he's going to wear it all. I think on the whole, <laughs> that was quite a good session for Star. Where he yeah. got over a decent, you know, his decent message. I don't quite know why we had two perorations. There were sort of, yeah. there was a build up of that sort of role of everything that was going wrong and was broken, and he did it twice. Um, yeah. Sunak's response, though, 
one small little thing, but the, but the line, you know, one law for him and yeah, one, yeah. one for everybody else, that's the kind of silly little thing that will cut through with voters. Yeah, that yeah, they, yeah. Oh, this, this fellow even got his own law to get his pension up. It's kind of irrelevant to the big thing, but it's the sort of thing that sticks and just yeah, yeah, yeah. niggles away in people's minds. Or it, at the very least just sort of it paints it. It's interesting how he ends up becoming part of the establishment. He's not a new figure. He's the mm-hmm. same as the rest of them. Yeah. He's, you know... It, it sort of tarnishes him a bit, and like, it ruins the sort of change argument that Labour would want to yeah, would want yeah. to have. I do think uh, Sunak leaves himself open to you know the same argument himself. You know, tax loopholes around non doms apply to virtually no one, but of course you know his wife. So I suspect Labour might try and um, throw that line back at him. Just as an addendum, can I say I was pleased today that there was sort of a bit more rowdiness on the yeah, back benches. Yeah, yeah. It it sort of depresses me when the house the mood is fairly staid. So I know. It's always said that the public don't like um, jeering and and and, uh, and booing and and this and whatnot. This is not but, for the public. But I personally Despite very much like the liveliness. <laughs> Tim Shipman, uh, chief political commentator for the Sunday Times. Hello, Tim. Hello, uh, Lucy Fisher, outgoing chief political commentator for uh, Times Radio, and now joining us at last bit, Times Red Box reporters have been watching the rest of PMQ, so we don't have to. Can, can I ask Matt Go on. with Lara's addition? Does that up the smug quota? I don't know, John. John in Sheffield. If you John want to get in touch. Us. John's not happy about I'm, his penis smug, smug Twenty vibes. minutes of broadcasting. Smug. I've heard. I mean, it may be time. that more people talking means less Matt, which may mean less smug. <laughs> I'm getting smug vibes. You, you think I'm it's just me? I'm not saying it's just you, but I'm saying, you know, it's not... It's this not, is, I bet not, John's, not you, is it? John's hating this, us having a conversation. He's very it? smug, it's even talking it's, about it, He's it? very smug, us smugly talking about how smug Smug shipman talking to that smug chorley. Uh, 8722, start your message when you want to get in touch. Uh, start your message with the word smug. Uh, Lava, where are we going first? We're going predictably to Stephen Flynn, hey! uh, the SNP's Westminster leader, who um, actually quite a rare show of humility today. Uh, I think how could it be otherwise? But seemed to kind of implicitly accept that his his party and and you know general wills for the independence were in chaos. Um, but listen to this question because I think more interesting as we spoke before about the government's response to this. Rishi Sunak holding firm as ministers privately say to this idea that they don't want to get embroiled in making fun of the chaos yeah. uh, in Scotland. They would much rather hold firm and seek to explain why actually uh, the government in Westminster is doing quite a bit for them. Well, let's take a listen. This is Stephen Flynn. Um, Boisterous. Boisterous. As I said, I really do want to try and help the players. If you don't, I do. Stephen Flynn. Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker. I'm delighted to hear that they had an equally I'm delighted to hear that they had an equally peaceful and relaxing Easter break as I did. <laughs> Mr. Prime Minister, Prime Minister, One person clapping. their refusal to stand alongside striking workers on the picket line, their acceptance of the economic damage being caused by Brexit, or perhaps their support for denying the people of Scotland the right to choose their own future, which led to the leader of the Scottish Conservative Party urging voters to back Labour. Ah. Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, what we're doing is not getting distracted by the things that are going on elsewhere, and we're focused on delivering for the people of Scotland. Uh, We're making sure that we fund public services as well, with one and a half billion extra pounds in Barnet Consequentials. We're making sure that we provide support with the cost of living. Now, I know, Mr Speaker, at the moment, him and his party are focused on other matters. We're just going to motor on with the job. Is that a motorhome joke? Yeah, I think it must be. I liked the bit where he said, you know, we're not focusing on anything else. No. Initially, you sort of think, oh, yeah, SNP yeah. problems. Yeah. But actually, of course, what the Prime Minister's not focusing on is the stupid things his leader in Scotland's been saying. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, this is Douglas Ross and... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and the posing the Tactically idea... Tactically vote for Labour. Yeah. Keep these wicked SNP people out. Um I think a lot of Tories in the South would think it might be rather better if people voted for the SNP and stopped Labour getting somewhere near to a parliamentary majority. But there we go. Yeah, actively encouraging lots of people to switch to Labour in Scotland is probably not of much help to the Conservatives. But Douglas Ross has form on this, doesn't he? He's become a real thorn in the side for successive um, Tory Prime Ministers. And I think 
it seems he's made up his mind that the thing that matters more to him than party loyalty or the success of the party centrally down in Westminster is unionism. So I think he probably does mean what he says. He would prefer people would to you know should back Labour, a unionist party, and see Keir Starmer get into office than um, than see you know the, the cause of independence. And the politicians went round saying what they actually think about things all the time. Where were they? Well, it's great. <laughs> Keeps us in business, doesn't it? I'm not complaining. Uh, where are we going next, Laura? We're going to the Tory backbencher Chris Clarkson, who asked a question regarding uh, this policy uh, mooted in Wales that young asylum seekers could be handed sixteen hundred pounds to help them with uh, living costs. Uh, he was interesting in this respect because uh, it reads it listens like one of those questions there's possibly a plant where uh, Rishi Sunk is given ample opportunity to disavow this policy uh, and particularly to try and uh, associate this policy with Keir Starmer who has of course previously spoken highly of mm. the Welsh Government so take a listen. Let's take a listen. Thank you, Mr Speaker. It's been reported that the Welsh Labour government is going to incentivise people smugglers by offering £1,600 of taxpayers' money every month to asylum seekers. Can I ask my right honourable friend for an assurance that he will never contemplate such a daft idea in our small boats bill? Well, Mr Speaker, I know my noble friend Lord Bellamy and the Secretary of State for Wales wrote to the Welsh Government yesterday confirming that we would not be undertaking their request. Now, I know that the Labour leader has said that the Welsh Labour Government is his blueprint. Unbelievably, as my honourable friend said, Labour in Wales are trying to pay illegal migrants £1,600. Mr Speaker, we're stopping the boats. Labour's paying for them. We're stopping the boats, Lucy. Even though the figures yesterday showed we'd already breached 5,000 for this year. Uh, yeah, quite. 50,000 even, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely. And today, of course, um, the government facing um, a headache with Braintree Council, a district council in Essex, bringing a high court challenge against the first of its sites to house uh, migration uh, migrants to detain them. So, I mean, the government's policy is in complete disarray. Um, many more legal challenges on the way. And, of course, a growing rebellion with up to 60 Tory MPs um, threatening to revolt on the illegal migration bill when it comes back to the Commons next week. Uh, but the, the the thing about Wales and Labour uh, and the fact that Keir Starmer's on the record of court is saying it's his blueprint, that, is that a problem, do you think, too? I think it's generally a good scoring point in the chamber and the Tory backbenchers tend to like that. I'm not sure it cuts through with the public who, if you're in England, you barely know where Wales is a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> I mean, most people, are, most people in England would visit France or the United States more often than they would visit Wales. So I'm not sure it's quite the, 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 the kind of selling point that the Tories always think it seems to be. I'm not commenting because I've gone into enough trouble with the good, our good listeners in Wales this week after trying to pronounce the new name Why? for the Brecon Beacon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go on, give it another shot. No, I'm not. It was also, it was made worse by uh, Rachel Sylvester saying she wasn't going to call it blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, we won't get bogged down in that. Um, email Wage Sylvester directly with any comments about that. Uh, Lara, it's John from Sheffield. <laughs> hey, Lara, have you got any more for us? I have got one more uh, frequent show in Prime Minister's Questions. Rosie Duffield, of course, uh, Labour MP, who uh, is well known, uh, well known activist on uh, on trans rights uh, issues. She speaks up about new figures from the Women's Rights, Net rights Network about uh, sexual assaults in hospitals. Implicit here uh, is this question of whether or not the legal definition uh, of biological sex will be changed. Uh, as we found out it might possibly uh, in previous weeks. Uh, Rishi Sunak, in his response, indicating that he's well aware that Rosie Duffield will be watching that closely, so I think worth listening to. Let's well, take a listen. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr Speaker. This week, the Women's Rights Network published a report by criminologist Professor Joe Phoenix called When We Are At Our Most Vulnerable, revealing that between January 2019 and October 2022, which includes the pandemic lockdown, of course, there were a staggering 6,539 reported rapes and sexual assaults in UK hospital settings. That's an average of 33 incidents every single week. And as eight police, police forces did not provide any data, the real figures are bound to be significantly higher. What can the Prime Minister and his government do to ensure that all women, staff and patients are safe in Britain's hospitals? Yeah, yeah can, I, uh, can I first of all say I was deeply shocked, like the Right Honourable Lady, and appalled to hear 
about the cases of sexual assault and abuse in the NHS. And I pay tribute to her for her long-standing campaign on these issues. NHS organisations are responsible for protecting their staff and patients from sexual harassment and conduct. Uh, they've recently established a domestic abuse and sexual violence programme to, to build more robust safeguarding uh, processes for protecting patients. We will work very closely with them to ensure that that is implemented, and I know she will hold us to account for doing that. So uh, Tim, it's interesting because Rosie Duffield is sort of treated by Rishi Sunak as one of his quite a lot Well, of nearly. I mean, the loose translation of everything he's just said is I take the, everything that the right on Daly has said very seriously and I hope she continues to seriously consider defecting to the Conservative Party. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be quite a bold person who would do that at this stage of the electoral cycle, Lucy. Yeah, I think I think she has now ruled it out on record, hasn't she? There was a there was a time when she no was sort plans of to. yeah, aming yeah. and ring. But you would think maybe she would have gone for it. I mean, she's withstood a lot of uh, abuse, and you know, she's represents Canterbury as a seat with a lot of students, a lot of quite kind of radical um, activists on the left who feel uh, very strongly in opposition to her stance on the on the trans question. And I think she thinks it's better to stay and win the argument in her own party, frankly, than what what do you achieve by changing parties yeah, yeah. apart from probably losing your seat but well there uh, is that i mean that's, maybe if, if the Tories were 20 points ahead in the polls it might be a slightly different calculation yeah but i think you know there is a balance of opinion in the labor party now which is a little bit different from what it was six months ago mm. um i think a lot of people would be skeptical that starmer's quite found the answer yet that satisfies everybody but, but he, he's but, moved closer but to he has moved closer to where she, yeah, yeah. she she is partly as a result of what she's been doing well, that brings us to the end of that. Thank you for that, Lana. What time can people expect them? Expect your email in their inbox? Well, I said 2.30 earlier, but you said it wouldn't be then. So well, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's aim for 2.30. And if it's 3 o'clock, then so be it. So be it. How's that? Thank you. Uh, time subscribers, go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash redbox to get Lara in your inbox. Uh, thank you, Lucy. Lucy, our last time... On, well, we might get you back at some point. Our last time... Your last time on air. Uh, and someone's been in touch with something nice. Uh, Clarissa says, farewell to Lucy Fish. She's been informative, measured and professional. Oh. <laughs> good contacts, great insights, also one of the smoothest voices on any radio station. Good luck and thank you, Lucy. So there we are. Oh, fantastic. And my mum's name is not Clarissa, so um, that might be a genuine uh, stranger, so thank you. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's episode of the podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and subscribe to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Web Box. But now, for me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye. Goodbye. 